So I know some of you are really missing being able to be with your littles in your family, to be able to hug them and hold them. And some of you, I have heard, are reading to them stories, uh, maybe using FaceTime on your phone or Zoom or whatever works, Skyping. So I was asking a few of you what your favorite stories are. Uh, we have stories that we love to read, sometimes because they delight our children so much but oftentimes because we love the message that these stories communicate. And stories are powerful, aren't they? Uh, very powerful. One of the suggestions that came back, or one of the, the books that everybody seemed to nod their head and say, I cry every time I read this story, and I cry every time I hear this story, and that's the story, I will always love you. There were others that were mentioned. But I say this by way of underscoring the power of story. We are in a story, the story of Jonah. And this is an unusual book in the Old Testament because it's tucked in the middle of 12 minor prophets. And the prophets are God's messengers speaking messages that are powerful and convicting. Jonah is different. Jonah is a story that is the message. And it's a gem of a story. And it's not that long, only 48 verses total takes you about five minutes to read it. We began this uh, series on Jonah last Sunday, so I'm going to catch you up uh, what happened at the beginning, and then we're going to be in Jonah chapter 2. But the way this story starts is that uh, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. It says, I want you to go to that great city Nineveh, and I want you to cry out against them and their wickedness. And that's all God said, and so Jonah took off. But he took off and he went down to Joppa and he got on a ship heading as far in the opposite direction as he could possibly go away from Nineveh. Well, then a great storm was stirred up uh, by God and it was such a threatening storm that all the sailors began to fear for their lives and they started throwing the cargo overboard and they said, cry out to your God. And when they were looking for Jonah, Jonah was nowhere to be found. He was down in the hold of the ship, fast asleep, and soon they found out that he was the reason for the storm because as he told them, his God was the God of heaven who made the seas and the dry land. And they found out that he'd been fleeing from the presence of the Lord. So he recommended and they accommodated the fact that he should be thrown overboard, which he was. And as soon as they threw Jonah overboard, the storm stopped. And then he is swallowed by a whale. And that's where we pick up the story, uh, where he is praying in that place of confinement, in the belly of a whale. And as we read this part of the scripture, I think it's helpful to know that every single word, every single phrase of what Jonah prays here can be found in the Psalms. So these are prayers that he learned words and phrases that he learned, like we would do perhaps in a crisis praying the Lord's Prayer, or maybe praying parts of Psalm 23. Um, so I want us to listen to God's word. I'm going to pray as we are in Jonah chapter 2, listening to Jonah pray in a confined space. So let's pray. God, we praise you for the gift of your word. We praise you for the gift of being your people listening and learning together because you so desire for us to know you, to 
to live fully in you. So speak now through this part of the story, through my words, through our listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Very last verse of chapter 1 through chapter 2. Listen to God's word to you. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. And then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. I have a favorite pastor who died a year or two ago, and he's the one who wrote that translation of the Bible called The Message. His name is Eugene Peterson. He's written several books along the way, and when he was a young pastor serving a congregation outside of Baltimore, a new church plant, he wrote a book on Jonah called Under the Unpredictable Plant. And he found this story to be very captivating and helpful for him as he was wrestling with what it meant to be a pastor and to be serving a congregation. And interestingly enough, as he was in Jonah, he found that Jonah communicated what he had discovered, how easy it is to go in the opposite direction from God's call. And we're talking about pastors. We're talking about people in his own congregation which is Jonah, is a part of God's people. So I want to use two of the statements that I read in this book that Eugene Peterson said as he was learning and resonating with the Jonah story. I think they can be guides for us as we learn while we shelter in place. First quote, I take it as a given, Eugene Peterson wrote, that all of us would prefer to be our own gods than to worship God. He's saying that about people in the church and himself. I take it as a given that all of us would prefer to be our own gods than to worship God. For instance, look at Jonah. Jonah heard God's call. He heard God sending him. He took it in, 
He acknowledged it. Thank you very much for choosing me, for loving me, for sending me, and I've got a better suggestion. And he decided to go with his own destination in the opposite direction of what God had in mind and what God told him to do. Then, when he gets down to Joppa, the wording there in Hebrew, when he paid the fare to get on that ship headed to Tarshish, the actual Hebrew there is that he paid her fare, which they mean to me, they, some people, commentators think, that this is the fare of the ship. He bought the ship. He had enough money to buy the whole ship. So it could be unmistakable that he was completely in charge of the whole operation. But then the storm comes up and dominates the whole scene and nothing else matters anymore, does it? The whole, their agenda is thrown out. The cargo is thrown out. The ship is about to break up. The sailors fear for their lives and tell everybody to do the only thing that is left to do, which is to cry out to God. So the power of his money, the power of Jonah's agenda, it all disappears in the storm, and there is only one power to deal with that, deal with now, which is the power of God. So soon, Jonah finds himself in the belly of the whale. This is the center of the Jonah story, where he sits, we are told, for three days and three nights. A very confined space, right? What is the value of time in the belly of the whale. We've had our own storm hit a few months ago, our COVID-19 storm, which has basically taken all of our plans, all of our agendas, thrown them overboard. This was the weekend that we were to be at our all-church retreat, Great Getaway. Last night, we would have been making s'mores and singing campfire songs and enjoying uh, the silliness of our skits. But all of our work plans, all of our school plans, all of our summer plans, all of wedding plans, memorial plans, everything has been thrown overboard. And no matter how powerful or wealthy you are, from prime ministers to wealthy NBA players to preschool teachers to house cleaners, everyone is face to face with how little control we actually have. One quote I heard that was circulated was, God was displeased with the planet and sent us all to our room. We certainly have been sent to our room, right? To a confined place. And what are we to ponder in our confined place? What was Jonah to ponder in his confined space, which was a lot darker and a lot scarier than ours, than mine. I remember when I was eight years old and we moved across the country from Maryland to California and we made some uh, vacation stops along the way. We went to Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, uh, someplace I probably would not go now, but we went all the way down into this huge, enormous cave in the depths of the earth. And as they often do in caves, they will turn out all the lights so you can experience just the pitch blackness of that place. And I remember feeling this sense of complete vulnerability 
and not being in control at all, whoever was in charge of that light switch was really, really important at that time. But it was humbling. It was this sobering experience. And I would think that Jonah's experience in the belly of that whale was dark and scary and humbling like that, what he describes as Sheol and going down to the pit. And yet only days earlier, he had the world by the tail and then it was all pulled up from underneath him. And he was confronted with his own illusion of being in control. Our COVID-19 storm, our own experience of not being in control, also confronts us with our illusion of being in control. You know, several times in the New Testament, when Jesus was with the disciples, they were out on the Sea of Galilee, a storm would come up. And in that storm, Jesus was teaching the disciples when they're in the midst of feeling completely out of control, which they were in the face of that storm. He was teaching them to pray and participate in God's control. A wonderful opportunity for them to realize who Jesus was. Even the wind and the sea obey him. I take it as a given, Eugene Peterson said, that all of us would prefer to be our own gods than to worship God. But that preference takes us down. There's a phrase in the Jonah story that happens three times. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the hold of the ship. He went down into the belly of the whale. And that's what happens when we prefer our own um, illusion of being God than actually worshiping God. It takes us all down. But this is where God goes to lift us up, to bring us back up. I read earlier in the very beginning of our worship service the passage where Jesus responds to the question, show us a sign, show us a sign. He says, the only sign you will receive is the sign of Jonah. He says this, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth an even more confined space, an even darker and scarier space, descending into hell. Why? To save us from this illusion of being in control. So I want us to look at Jonah's prayer as he's there in that confined space, in the belly of the whale. Finally, he prayed. Peterson's other comment that I want us to listen to as we let this story have its way with us. He said, there came a point at which I was convinced that it was critically important to pay more attention to what God does than what I do. Jonah's prayer, as I mentioned earlier, every single word Every single phrase was not something that he made up. It's found in the Psalms. He was taught as every Hebrew, good Hebrew was, by the Psalm book, 150 Psalms. Jesus was taught by them too. Many of Jesus' prayers also came from the Psalms. And Eugene Peterson said there's basically two types of Psalms. There's Psalms of lament, which 
come from times of distress, and there are psalms of thanksgiving when we are in times of well-being. And the most common psalm is the psalm of lament. So certainly you would think that in this belly of the whale that Jonah would pray what? Psalm of lament or psalm of thanksgiving? Well, we would guess psalm of lament because of what was going on in his life and because that was most common because we're often in trouble. But he chose to pray a prayer of thanksgiving. What he prays here in Jonah 2 is a set prayer of thanksgiving, remembering God's saving act in the past, describing his distress, confidence that God would rescue, and then this proclamation how deliverance belongs to the Lord. So he chose to pray not according to his circumstances and how horrible they were, he chose to pray a prayer that was adequate to the largeness of God with whom he was now face-to-face and needing to deal with. I went down, that's the center of the prayer, but you brought me up. And he could not pray this prayer on his own. God gave him this prayer as a gift. God gives us worship Jonah talks in this prayer about your holy temple, the gifts that God has given so that we can pay attention more to what God does than what we do. God gives us the Psalms. God gives us scripture. God gives us community, the gift of one another to lift us up. Many of you have made a point of telling me um, how much you appreciate the live stream worship. And I do too. And the opportunity to be in community even when we can't be in this place and in community together. But I think the gift is that worship, it helps us to pay more attention to what God does than what we do. In this time of realizing that we are out of control, to actually pray with the God who is in control, to be lifted up. I know for myself, as I am in my own confined place, moving through this day by day, it is so easy to just have these waves of self-pity. I don't always feel that way, but there's times where I just have this sense of, I can't believe I have to be in my place with no people and no pets for weeks and weeks and weeks. And so I just have this sense of, poor me. And what brings me up out of that doesn't come from me. It comes from God. It comes from being in the Psalms. It comes from being in Scripture. It comes from being in community with you and with my small group and with other people who are people of faith, who are praying their way through this. It's easy to pay attention to the weeds wrapped around our head. That was an interesting phrase in his prayer. Everything that makes this a distressing time. But... God brings us up. God brings us up and gives us what we need to be brought up. So what does the story of Jonah have to teach us during this time of sheltering in place? To pray. To pray along with and participating in God's control as we are very aware that we are not 
in control. The other thing is to be aware of the practices that help you pay more attention to what God does than what you are doing. Practices like worship, practices like being in community with others, to share, to lament, to pray, to hear God's promises, God's word, and to be lifted up. I went down, Jonah said, but you brought me up. That's right. And then he concluded, deliverance belongs to the Lord. Thanks be to God. You're going to hear a song now that is written and sung by Paul Ferris. Paul Ferris, for those who have been in this congregation for quite a while, uh, is someone you will recognize because he was our music director for many years. Uh, for those that uh, have not been here a long time, Paul is just a gifted pianist and organist and man of God who's now living in Michigan and doing his ministry from there. So let us worship as Paul Ferris leads us. Stand a chance when I stand in your love, my fear doesn't 